0: TED Audio Collective.
1: Hi there. Some exciting news for TED Tech. We have a new host. She'll be joining us in a few weeks, so watch out for that. And of course, I'll still be here, curating speakers and coming on the show from time to time. For now, here's an episode of another TED Audio Collective podcast we thought you'd enjoy. If you want to hear more, Follow the show wherever you're listening. Support
2: for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all-in-one, easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit Odoo.com/slash TEDTech. That's Odoo.com slash TEDTech. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com/thematic investing.
0: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary workday until
3: the Singapore presentation is at three a.m.
0: The office
4: was shocked.
2: That's when we sleep.
4: Maya made it less scary with Canva.
2: (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime.
0: Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work.
2: Want to dive into how technology and black spirituality intersect? Or confront the challenges new tech is creating? Maybe even catch a vision of hope for the future? Check out Moral Repair, a black exploration of tech. A podcast about the innovations that make our world and break our societies and how we can all heal just a bit. Available on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: Buenos
0: días. Right now, you're hearing the streets of Caracas, Venezuela, specifically inside a bus. And like a lot of buses around the world, you're gonna hear everything on this bus. Street vendors, poets, comedians, rappers. There's definitely commuters. But on this bus, you can also watch the news. There's no actual television though. At the front of the bus, there's just two people holding up a giant square of cardboard that's decorated to look like a TV. It's just cardboard. They cut out a square in the frame, and they're sticking their heads through the opening while they're narrating the news, as if it was a broadcast. The folks doing this, they call themselves El Bus Tebe. Bus television, And they're doing this because in Venezuela right now, undeniably, things are really rough. And one of the things that people say is not helping is that they don't have access to the news. What they have in a lot of cases is government propaganda. The folks we talked to said that propaganda is basically trying to replace reality. And as the cliche goes... Information is power. So today we're talking with these folks about what it takes to get some of that power back. I'm Salim and from Ted, this is Far Flung. In each episode, we visit a different city to understand ideas that flow from that place. And the journalists on this bus are tackling a question of international importance in 2022. In the face of manufactured misinformation, how do you deliver accurate reported news to people and how do you get them to trust that the news you're giving them is real? One way is to meet people where they're at, in person. This is all happening way offline, but... To understand why journalists are going through the trouble of presenting the news in a way so different to how most of the world thinks of modern media, we have to start back in May 2007. That's when the biggest TV station in Venezuela was Radio Caracas Televisión. Full of all the normal TV stuff, news, soap operas, commercials. But one morning, it was just gone.
3: When the government closed Radio Caracas Televisión, we went to bed and we wake up with another channel and another reality.
0: That's Laura Elena Castillo, a Venezuelan journalist and co-founder of El Bus TV. That morning, 15 years ago, when Radio Caracas Televisión, a.k.a. RCTV, was shut down, she woke up to chaos. Hundreds of students were out protesting down one of the biggest streets in Caracas, shouting, Chavez is a dictator, and the people know it. 20 minutes after RCTV was pulled off the air, it was replaced with a station promoting the self-proclaimed socialist revolution of Hugo Chavez, the president of Venezuela at the time. People turned on their TV And instead of their normal TV shows and, importantly, the daily news, they heard the national anthem. RCTV was one of Venezuela's biggest channels. It had Venezuela's largest audience. At its peak, RCTV's influence and its ability to criticize folks in power became a major threat to President Chavez. Now, to be fair, the independent media's fight against the government was also problematic to the extent that it enthusiastically backed a failed coup that briefly took Chávez out of power in 2002. Chávez had come into power as a populist. By a lot of people, he was regarded as a hero for sharing the wealth of Venezuela's oil riches with the poor. Thanks to a rise in oil prices, at first, Things went well. He cut poverty in half, launched wide-ranging social welfare programs and a massive campaign to wipe out adult illiteracy. But a major problem was that this revolution was tied to one big thing, the global demand for oil.
4: The city of Caracas, capital of Venezuela, is enjoying a prosperity boom unparalleled in the history of South America. But where does all the money come from? The answer lies under the ground where rich oil deposits ensure a steady revenue. It's certainly a fantastic city, this new Caracas.
0: But with every boom, there comes a bust. And when the global price of oil dropped, Venezuela's economy started to plummet. Life in Venezuela got so bad that Venezuela went from being the richest country in Latin America to its poorest. And the independent media held Chavez accountable. In retaliation, Chavez took moves to discredit and destroy that media. At one point, he called the media, quote, the horsemen of the apocalypse. As things got worse, the government embarked on a campaign of regulations, legal intimidation and harassment to threaten independent media into silence. And with independent media quiet, the state run media enthusiastically filled that vacuum.
1: The control is pretty big and so Some people, at least the causes of the hardships that they are living, of what the government says, it's because of the evil of capitalism. But I don't think it's the majority. I think the majority knows that this is the worst government in contemporary history.
0: That's Margarita Lopez-Maya. She's a historian with a PhD in social science and a senior professor at the Central University of Venezuela. Even as a top university professor, Margarita only makes $11 U.S. a month To give you an idea of how far that goes, because of the food shortages, many Venezuelans resort to buying food on the black market, where at one point, one bag of pasta was going for more than 300 US dollars. But because the media is censored, if you turn on the news, it was as if all this wasn't even happening.
1: The government actually put a fictional reality inside Venezuela, where everything is very well, we have the best economy, it's booming, whatever, people are happy. I mean, in this sense, Venezuela has a very totalitarian media.
0: And if you think maybe the people could have gotten around censorship by just going online, well, not so fast. The problem is that about half of the population doesn't have internet access. As for those who do, To stop the rise of the public's protest against chronic shortages and runaway inflation, the government has gone as far as sometimes shutting down the internet. They've accused hundreds of protesters of terrorism and sent them to military tribunals. Journalists whose reporting risks, quote, destabilizing public order have been fined and jailed. And Margarita said all kinds of things kept spiraling out of control after Chávez died in 2013. I mean,
1: it's a very difficult way to live, but I've lived here all my life. and As it comes, you start to try to adjust to the situation.
0: Margarita said that with the huge information gap between the state-run propaganda and what was really happening on the ground, people were starting to give up on following the overall political situation.
3: You have a very painful routine.
0: That's Bustebe co-founder Laura Elena, again.
3: The complex humanitarian emergency we are living in Venezuela is always very difficult to explain because we don't have a war. We are not Syria, but after Syria, we are the second country in the world with most refugees.
0: An estimated 5.4 million people have fled Venezuela in recent years. But even with the difficulty of getting by and the threat of getting caught by the authorities, Laura Elena decided to stay. Venezuela was still her home.
3: I love the weather. Not too hot, but it's not too cold. It's like my mother's hog. It's just perfect to me. This is a very green city and we have uh, a lot of birds. We have a big mountain across the city and we are, near to the beach. This is a perfect weather to live and to dream and to sleep well.
0: So, yeah, deeply troubled, but still a place she loved. And she wanted to wake up to a better world, so she used the one tool she had.
3: Journalism is the only thing I know how to do in my life. You know? Journalism and maybe arepas.
0: With the way things were going, Laura Elena felt she needed to answer the call to journalism. But in a place where the truth is so tightly withheld, how do you deliver that journalism? And more importantly, how do you get people around you to trust you? Laura Elena thought of one place where she knew people would be, on the city bus. And so she reaches out to a friend, and they have this idea.
3: Claudia Lizardo, my co-founder, she's an artist. She has the first idea about the frame.
0: Right, so it's just like a blank TV on a bus. You're like, let's fill that TV with journalism. Is she like, great, journalism, let's go, or do you have to convince her?
3: No, no, it was a love story.
0: Perfect, a love story between performance and journalism. So that's how this spark happens. What is day one? You know, forgive me for saying, but it is a very silly idea to walk onto a bus and talk through a cardboard TV, right?
3: It's a silly idea, if you think about it, okay? The first time was 2017. It was a bus and there was a man playing Cuatro. Cuatro. And we have to wait because we need this space. The first story we said was, Hola, somos periodistas.
0: So you're getting on the bus. You're like, hey, can we give the news? And they're like, oh, wait, are these like political news? Because they're not necessarily excited about political news. And then you tell them.
3: Una parte de verdad y una parte de mentira
0: a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie. <laughs> tell me what's the truth, what's the little, little bit of lie that you tell the bus driver?
3: Well, the truth is, no, 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 it's not all politics. And the lies is, yes, we have a lot
0: of news about politics,
3: but the first news have to be service news, you know?
0: So they start with news as practical to kind of warm up the audience and reassure the bus driver that they come in peace. And when they get to the political news, like Laura Elena says, it's not so political. Because they aren't acting as pundits. They're not leaning into opinions on what they're saying. They don't want to give the audience any reason to tune them out. They're trying to kind of read the room and meet people where they're at. I have never been a stand-up comedian, but my stand-up comedian friends have talked about, like, that feeling when you're on stage and you're like, oh, something is off. We're bombing. This is not going well, like... Do you ever have that feeling? Yes, of course. Because this is a lot of people
3: and sometimes they are angry because it's late or maybe there is a political tension in the in Venezuela. If there is tension outside, you have tension inside.
0: And the day Laura Leda got on the bus and introduced El Bus Tebe, there was a lot of political tension. In the streets... Students were leading massive protests against Chavez's less charismatic successor, Nicolás Maduro. He's the current Venezuelan president, and basically the crisis in Venezuela has increasingly worsened under his rule. And those protests were not being reported by the state media. So Laura Elena decided that this was the moment to get on the bus to test out the potential magic behind this fake cardboard TV. She started off the broadcast by reminding people what day it was. It was May 27th, 2017, the 10-year anniversary of Chávez closing down RCTV. If the state-run media was not going to talk about the protests, then El Búz Tebé would. How did people react?
3: It was amazing. It was huge. There were two women, and they were speechless and smiling. Todo el bus, eh, aplaudió.
0: The whole bus cheered for him. so they kept going with their mission to let Venezuelans know what was really happening.
3: We are very energetic people. El Bus TV is like a party. It's always music, neighbors, bus drivers, salsa, reggaeton, and news.
0: Each time, the Bus TV journalists walk up to the bus just like regular people. No TV announcer stage makeup, flashy clothes, no bright lights. In a way, they're not trying to stand out or above the crowd, except they're carrying this odd TV cutout and loudspeaker, so they do get some looks. The cutout is made out of brown cardboard wrapped in black paper. It's got glittery letters, There's a drawing of a bus, a megaphone, a microphone, and some people talking on it. Help me first understand, on a bus, without El Bus TV, what's happening? Can you describe that scene for me? (laughs) You're swinging around. Yes,
3: yes, you are dancing all the time into the bus.
0: How did you decide that you were going to compete against people dancing on a bus?
3: It's a challenge. In a country like Venezuela, where people cannot see the news frequently, we thought this is a great place to start this newscast. full of people, they cannot jump out of the windows. <laughs> they have to listen to us. Yeah. What
0: Today, El Bus TV has expanded to seven cities throughout Venezuela. And while each individual in-person show is small enough to fly under the radar of the government, the overall team and number of broadcasts is still growing. they are now up to 57 reporters, and there are many student volunteers. But just like any TV show or network, Bus TV has to be super creative if it wants to make an impact. After the break, a ride with El Buste Bay, where we learn how they go about charming the audience and earning their trust.
5: This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life. And for as long as I can remember, I have run Right now, we're in Chacao, which is basically a financial district here in the capital city of Venezuela.
0: That's Elena Carpio, a Venezuelan journalist. She goes by LA. And today, LA is riding around with the El Bus TV crew. The bus stop is located on the main avenue that connects Caracas, east to west. Look up and you see towering skyscrapers from Venezuela's glory days, when petrodollars funded a building boom in the 1960s and 70s. But on the ground, it's a very different reality. Mango trees, 24-7 hot dog stands, salsa music, and crazy traffic. To catch a bus, you have to go to a bus stop and listen out for the bus collectors. You see them hanging out the door, collecting fares, calling out stops. There's erratic schedules, chronic fuel shortages, poor maintenance, and bus driver strikes but it sounds like people are surprisingly chill. In all this, a bus's playlist is a part of what it's offering. So people sometimes board the buses based on what kind of music they're into. I gotta say, I love this idea of choosing a ride being almost like flipping through a gigantic street corner sized radio dial.
4: The team is huddled in a close circle on the sidewalk, and they're deciding who's going to read the newscast next. One of the journalists just jumped on a bench and is reading the newscast to the people queuing for the bus. The rest of the team is looking out for the next bus to board.
0: El Bus Tebe has all the challenges of daily journalism without much money or time, and all the risks of improv theater. They go over their script, trying to memorize as much as they can before boarding the bus. At the bus stop, a driver waiting for his bus to fill up is leaning against a wall in the shade of a mango tree. When he sees their cardboard TV, he approaches the crew.
4: He points to a bus that's about to leave and tells us, don't board that bus. The driver is a bad person, jokingly. He motions towards his empty bus and says, board mine, I'm nice.
0: Which is both a really kind sales pitch and possibly some passive aggressive inner bus trash talk. I love it.
4: He then goes on to tell us that he first encountered El Bustabe three years ago as a passenger on another bus. He says he'd be honored if we'd ride with him. He's been a bus driver for the last 18 years on the same route. His bus is named El Cuervo, the Crow. In the mornings, he likes to play soft, romantic Venezuelan music.
0: The crew is handing out free newspapers produced by journalism students at the local university. Sometimes passengers are hesitant and ask if it's government propaganda, but most people take one because it's free.
4: The team is standing in the aisle of the front of the bus reading the newscast as passengers hop on. It's crowded.
0: After the bus finally fills up, It takes off and the broadcast continues in full force. One Boost TV member is holding up the frame, another is standing behind it, reading the newscast. Then they compare notes on the passenger reactions. It's real-time market research.
4: Over 50 people were on the bus. You can see their reactions to different kinds of news. The most attention came when they spoke about the vaccines and COVID. There were two old ladies in the third row and it was a bit loud because it was full. And as soon as she saw the newscast with the cardboard TV, she started laughing and (laughs) she actually thought it was going to be comedy or a bit of theater. But then the first news was about free vaccines for children. So as soon as she heard that, she changed attitudes completely and she started just like quietly listening. And the second thing she said was, only for kids or old ladies us allowed to get vaccines as well. And so there was definitely some live feedback there.
0: But then when they turned to politics, some passengers started to tune out.
4: When they read the news about an opposition leader that was illegally jailed a couple of months ago and then released, everyone sort of turned away and looked at their cell phones impatiently.
0: Sports news didn't perk much interest either. That news is not censored, but Boostebe still includes it in their broadcasts.
4: They actually only included sports at the request of the bus drivers. They said, okay, fine, you can board our buses, but if you do, I want to hear about sports.
0: <laughs> LA noticed that the most effective way to keep passengers' attention is to report local news. And by local, she means hyper local, literally, news that is happening within a few blocks of where the bus is physically moving through the city. <laughs> News like broadcasting the talents of the community and services offered, like local carpenters, barbers, beauticians, service journalism. It depends on Bustabe journalists going into neighborhoods and asking locals what is going on. It's things like informing passengers about free food fairs or telling them about a eucalyptus tree that is close to downing a power line that could cut the whole neighborhood's power if it falls. By encouraging everyday people to engage with one another in this way, It's hard to overstate just how epic this is, when naturally, after everything Venezuelans have gone through in the past 20 years, there's just
4: so much suspicion. Once Chavez rose to power, polarization got really bad. You had neighbors who had been friends forever, never spoke to each other again. They started to wonder, what can we do to heal people so that they can come back together and work together again for the community's sake?
0: And Laura Elena wanted to build back that trust to be a part of bringing the community together again. Why is it that they trust you? They don't know you and you could be anyone, right? Like at this time, there's so little trust in news in so many countries. Why well, maybe, do you think they trust the, the person <laughs> they don't know with the
4: cardboard box around their face?
3: <laughs> well, maybe because we are cute. no. Uh, <laughs> um it's a good question maybe they think we are brave you know Mm. our reporters are young people they are students and we make a great effort to read very serious news maybe they feel safe because they don't feel we are used them with a political agenda this is a, an intentional decision. We decide to start all the broadcast with this hyperlocal news because it's a safe place.
0: It's a safe place as in there's nothing to debate. People want to listen to what they find immediately useful to them. Bustebe, they're delivering news that impacts everyone. Bustebe journalists included in that. And often news that people can verify with their own eyes.
3: We are not an helicopter. We we are a bus that arrives and parks in the community. You have to get close to the neighbors, share a coffee with them. This is the most important thing we have learned in four years.
0: I love that distinction between a helicopter and a bus. They're not dropping in conveniently from the sky. They're riding along beside you on the bus. Everyone, regardless of political views, they're sharing the same space, sitting in the same seats, moving at the same speed. And when they're also listening to the same broadcast, they're sharing a reality. Focusing on service-based, hyper-local news means they can reach people with different political opinions. And Margarita, our local professor you heard from at the top, says that's the basis of democracy.
1: What I see is happening, is that the organization is going to come from the bottom up. People that are motivated to go on a bus and give news to the Venezuelan people that are on that bus, those people are eager to hear the news.
0: It seems almost like given how The harsh dictatorship has taken over everything that looks like traditional media. Maybe part of the reason why people might trust something like Boost TV is because that it's so clearly from a different source. You're
1: right. You're right. People are also eager for fresh new faces, fresh new speeches, fresh new ways of doing things.
0: When I think about how so many people nowadays are getting their news from an algorithmic feed that's been seen by just one viewer alone at a time... It's cool to me that Bustebe is the opposite of that. And by focusing on what's happening locally, Bustebe can cut through the propaganda and the politics. And it's accessible to everyone.
4: Sometimes people underestimate innovation if it's not digital. But this is innovation as well. You can collect billions of data points to figure someone out. But it's never going to be the same to actually shake their hand and stare them in the eye and just ask them,
0: you know? To build longer-lasting relationships, TV is now training people in the community how to report the news themselves.
1: <inaudible>
0: their new initiative is called Ventanas TV, which means Windows TV, where people deliver their news from their homes. Instead of a cardboard frame, they talk through a window frame to people in the street. Folks passing by stop to listen to the latest news from their neighbors.
4: I think after the experience El Bus TV journalism students will not be able to do TV because they will get bored, you know, after (laughs) after such an interactive experience with the audience. It started out being a way to get across censorship, but they discovered that it could be so much more than that. You know, audiences feel like this journalist kind of cares about my life because he's actually reporting on something that I told him last week that I cared about.
0: BoosteBay reaches people on both sides of the aisle, getting them to agree on a shared reality. And it's happening in a public space, in a non-corporate controlled environment. And in a country where polarization has run extremely high, BoosteBay has managed to cut across that. Reality is messy and confusing, but it's cool that there's this way to get your news while out in the messy real world and from people in front of you who care. In a space where you can process it all together in real time as the world moves by. Far Flung is produced by Jesse Baker and Eric Newsom of Magnificent Noise for TED. Our local producers for this episode are Elena Carpio and Ana Alvarado. Our production staff includes Elise
5: Blennerhassett, Huete Gitana, Sabrina Farhi,
0: Michelle Quint, and Ben Ben Chang. And with the guidance of Roxanne Highlash and Colin Helms. Additional field recordings by Valerie Escobar. Music by Felix Trudele, Cesar Sedeno, and Chris Sabriski. Our fact checkers are
4: Nicole Bodie
0: and Paul Durbin. Ad Stories are produced by Transmitter Media. This episode was mixed and sound designed by Kristen Muller and Elise Blennerhassett. Our executive producer is Eric Newsom. I'm Saleem Reshamwala.
5: You're growing a business and you can't afford to slow down.